you know, I was really not thinking TikTok would be something that would make sense for me and my brand. I have an older market um, and I don't like doing videos and video has always been expensive. But after watching Maxwell's deal, I kind of realized that, you know, you can make some pretty scrappy, quick videos that truly work well on TikTok. And so we've been running TikTok ads now for a couple of weeks. Um, ROAS is actually like twice as good as we were seeing on Facebook um, last, like six months ago, even, and this is still testing. So we're like really bullish on it. Haven't scaled really anything. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the scale opportunities are going to be like, but, you know, just kind of doing some tests and seeing really good results. And then earlier this week, we took our TikToks and brought them in back into Facebook and just created conversion ads, running them through video placements, and um, we're actually getting, you know, our CPMs there are only 10 or 11 bucks, uh, which is a lot better than our static image ads were. So I don't know, like I'm not saying, you know, TikTok's the way to go necessarily, but um, if you haven't looked into it yet, um, it's, I don't know, it's totally different than I was expecting it to be. You know, I thought I was going to have to do some stupid dances and all this stuff, and it's, it's a different world. So, um, so that's good. And then I would also say, if you are doing TikTok talk and you haven't yet brought those creatives into Facebook to test them, I would recommend trying because I can't help but feel that uh, Facebook's going to be trying to, you know, push reels more. I know that Zuckerberg's already said they are, but you know, they're trying to battle TikTok right now. So I think if they can, you know, reward that style of content on their platform, it might be a way to keep people on Facebook. There's some questions coming in from the group. Um, have you seen TikTok with, this is from Danny and Zoom. Have you seen TikTok work with higher ticket items, $1,200 plus AOV? So I'm a brand owner and not an agency actually. So my AOV on my items is about $135. So I don't, you know, that, that's hard to say. Now, one thing I would recommend is the one nice thing about TikTok is you can get really cheap clicks too, right? So if you do have a high AOV product, you know, you might not, you're probably not going to get that $1,200 sale right away, but you know, I'm getting anywhere from 4 cent to 12 cent clicks. And then, you know, those people are going into retargeting campaigns. Um, a Google performance max campaign actually is doing a pretty good job right now of kind of, you know, tagging those people with the product IDs and, and hitting them. So it's with higher AOV, I think I'd still test it just because it's a good top of funnel strategy to, you know, start pushing people through the funnel. Uh, Jeremy Haynes said we saw 10K to 75K services info products through TikTok currently, and it's working great for it. We're seeing, this is from Chris, we're seeing high ticket sale calls funnel working on TikTok, haven't scaled anything yet either. So. Do you guys notice a buildup phase with TikTok? Everyone says, you know, I we run a little bit of TikTok, but not huge at scale. What is that time frame of spending to build up? I hear a lot of people complain that, oh, my ad sets won't spend, my ad sets won't spend. You got to optimize down lower the next step in the funnel. I know Michael Sanchez, you're on this call too, a uh, very experienced TikTok media buyer. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that for people that are switching over a little bit on that strategy on to get that to work. So I'll just add real quick that I, my products um, are kind of unique in terms of, of 
how they are. So I actually, I run almost like product specific ads, right? So, and I have like 3000 SKUs. So I, I, I'm doing kind of low budget stuff where I'm only spending like maybe 30 bucks a day per ad set, but then run in, you know, a couple hundred ad sets potentially. Um, but each of those ad sets is only $30 um, in, in the, geogra the geography that they're targeting. So they're doing fine spending. Um, I would say actually right off the bat, I've, I, I see a weird effect with mine anyway, it seems like where um, there's actually, seems like a little spurt of, of sales and, um, and really like good ROAS right out of the gates. And I think that's just the algorithm as it's going and you know, probably hits some low hanging fruit right away. But yeah, at my budgets, I haven't really seen an impact yet, but those are pretty small budgets. I would just uh, like to add here that you don't need to be asking questions only in comments. You can use the raise your hand feature. We'll, people in, we'll love to hear people talking instead of uh, going for the questions, but it's up to your own preference. So anybody, whatever is your preference, love to hear people speaking also. Unmute, <laughs> Justin. I got a lot of mute buttons with all these streams. Jeremy, I know you're a, a goat, so if you want to come off uh, mute, I'd love, we'd love to hear a little bit about what's working for you. Thanks, man. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Um, yeah, so we, we typically help uh, people who sell info products, um, high-ticket e-com stores, and we've also been helping people in the automation niche, which are really just done-for-you services. Um, typically the average order value ranges somewhere between at the lowest, like 10,000, all the way up to 75,000. Um, we, we typically deploy an extremely direct funnel for that type of offer. And this is, you know, I know a lot of you guys on these calls are typically in like the lower ticket e-com space. Like you guys have AOVs that are somewhere like in the couple hundred dollar range. Um, we always try to default whenever we get into an account to the highest revenue driven action first. So we have this specific funnel strategy called the mini webinar somewhere between like 12 and 15 minutes in length. It communicates specifically to an extremely well-off uh, demographic, meaning, meaning financially. Um, what we found with the higher ticket products is people who are richer typically have a very specific way of communicating and that specific funnel type, which is generally just a call funnel driving traffic to the closing team, um, works best for us initially and typically generates the highest ROI. Um, it is typically like a two to three call follow-up process and there's a lot that goes on after the call is generated on like the email sequences and like retargeting ads that warm people up over like the 42, 48 to 72 hour window that they're in before their actual call happens, um, just to substantially increase the probability of them actually closing on that first or second call. But we, we typically see like really strong statistics, like both on TikTok and Facebook currently. Um, sure, like after, after the iOS 14 stuff, I think the most recent dip I've seen was like the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day that week definitely sucked. But we haven't been having any issues outside of that. Um, for our for our higher ticket e-com stores, like we're typically biasing towards AOVs somewhere that's $1,000 or greater, just simply to stack the odds that we're going to have a positive ROI in comparison to working with a business that has like, let's say a 70 to like, you know, $500 AOV in comparison, just that, just so we stack the odds in case there's some fluctuations that we don't really experience it. Um, but regardless, our campaign structures have been extremely simple and, and minimalistic in comparison to what they were like years ago. We typically have like one to two campaigns. We'll have like one to two ad sets, typically max. We'll be leveraging dynamic creative. We always start our campaign somewhere between like $100 and $200 a day. 
um, where typically when we're using the dynamic creatives, loading it up at that kind of budget, with like very minimal assets, like we'll use like maybe two to three videos or images, um, two, maybe three headlines, max, two body copy, max, no newsfeed descriptions. And we'll let uh, Facebook, TikTok, or, or AdWords just kind of do the work to optimize it for us. Um, we have, we have two different scaling strategies that we typically use. Usually, generally it takes like about one to two weeks for us to get ROI positive, And then we start the scaling process and we start to use what we call the slow and steady method, which I'm sure everybody here has heard of just simple 10 to 30% bumps per day. The other scaling strategy, which is much more aggressive, we default to is called the cost per X strategy. And we essentially take whatever our cost per result is and the desired, the desired result volume for tomorrow. Um, you know, we, we multiply those two together to get what our daily budget needs to be on top of what we're already spending the following day to make room for that potential result the following day. We're seeing that work extremely well, specifically on AdWords and TikTok. Facebook, we typically have to bias towards the, uh, the slow and steady method in comparison. Um, but anyway, long story short, typically takes once again about one to two weeks after launching a campaign like that for us to get in the money and then to start the scaling process and be ROI positive from that point forward. The, the biggest problem that we've been up against is what we call ad fatigue. Um, same thing, I'm, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with this since there's a lot of you guys, especially on Zoom, that are higher level advertisers. That, that's been the biggest problem recently for us has been uh, working with clients, whether it's creative agencies or them doing it in-house. Um, we don't do this in-house ourselves. Um, we're seeing like, as an example on Facebook, like we're spending like 5K to 10K a day for a client. Um, sure. Ads are fatiguing like three to five days at a time, you know, and- Jeremy, with your um, TikTok creative, yeah. how fast are they fatiguing? Is it a time frame type fatigue, a spend fatigue, reach? Yeah. How, really how often do you have to refresh creative? It, it's definitely dictated by spend. So as an example, um, if we're spending like $100 to $200 a day, we'd expect our creatives to not fatigue for like a three to four week duration. In comparison, if we spend, let's say like five to 10K a day, we are expecting like three to five days typically before we start to see some fatigue i will i will say there's an uncommon outlier that occasionally pops up that we can continue to ride out for sometimes months at a time um like we have we have an outlier ad account for this red light company called Mito red light their aob is somewhere between like 12 and 1500 dollars. so red light panels we literally hadn't had to swap out any creatives for about seven months now and we've been consistently able to scale the entire duration but literally in every other ad account that we actively manage ad fatigue is currently the biggest issue. Um, and, we, and we see two types of ad fatigue, to be clear. The most common one is, is what we call machine learning ad fatigue. The least common one is what we call audience ad fatigue, which is simply where the audience just, you know, frequency goes up too high. People see it too often. Therefore, we need to swap the creative. That happens far less commonly. What I'm referring to is more so like machine learning ad fatigue. Um, we like to think you, that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Do you see if when you get not the audience fatigue, but the machine learning fatigue, duping does that fix it just restarting the ad set yeah so this this is what we'll do to overcome the problem when it occurs so we typically give it 72 hours and what we see is obviously the result volume drops and the cost per result climbs and after that occurs for 72 hours in a row we'll relaunch those campaigns go to the ad level of those campaigns pull the existing specifically videos or images out swap new ones in publish it once it's approved, we'll turn the old ones off, let the new ones ride and no shit, like 10 out of 10, it resets it to like pre-fatigue numbers in terms of result volume and lower cost. And as I mentioned, give or take what we're spending per day really dictates um, how often we have to go about doing that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's typically been the biggest problem that we've been up against recently. So surprisingly, I'm sorry, do you have a question? No, uh, Steven, do you have a question? I see you have your hand up. Sorry, I missed that. 
Not a question, just comments of a different variety. Whenever Jeremy gets done with his Got wonderfulness it. here, I'm 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 on board. So all right, sounds good. We'll, I'll, we'll get I'll to you in a second. Okay, thanks. Uh, that's really yeah. yeah go ahead, Jeremy. Fatigue's been the biggest thing we've seen. Like we we have 3,700 plus students that are like agency owners and marketers and stuff inside of our own communities, and the most common thing that they bring up is like the exact situation I just articulated. We have um the biggest issue, once again, is just not having enough creatives and reserves. And, and TikTok, I will say, surprisingly, has been much more uh, in our favor in comparison to Facebook. Um, like cost per whatever we're optimizing for is typically substantially lower than Facebook. Result volume is just as high. Um, you know, we're still getting the same types of like AOVs on TikTok. Uh, I, th I think there's a lot of per perception issues with TikTok that like holds back a lot of people from spending on it, but it is, it has been an absolutely phenomenal ad channel to work in. We still spend the most on Facebook and Instagram to be clear, but TikTok, when I say it's also been more lenient on us, um, surprisingly ads have lasted longer on TikTok in terms of ad fatigue in comparison to Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram recently has just been, um, aggressive with how fast they fatigue. So yeah, that's really all I got. Are you seeing mostly UGC? Is that what you guys are running for creatives? So if you're talking TikTok specifically, that's definitely a, a big part of what works, but um, not necessarily, no. Like a lot of the people that we work with are typically like a personal brand that already is making like good content on those platforms. Um, they already have like a, a good thumb on the game, if you will, for how the editing style works, like what the current trends are, how to, how to work in sounds strategically. Um, they know how to like add text in different areas that works well. They use like the little computer voice to their, to their benefit. Um, we typically bias towards once again, businesses that are already like actively familiar with how the editing works on TikTok and like they're familiar with like how an organic video actually looks. So it's, it's not necessarily just UGC that typically works best for like e-com products specifically, but with all, with a lot of our like service done for you or like info product clients that are personal brand based, um, we typically just try to, once again, bias towards the people who already get it. Um, the people who don't get it, we have them go through, you know, just a ton of content from people who do get it and try to like learn the editor. Um, you got to try to make it look as organic as you can is, is what we found. Otherwise people just skip right past it. It's a substantial difference between, you know, kind of like a native feel for mm -hmm. how content actually looks on TikTok versus how some people try to like lackadaisically roll their story formatted vertical ads from like other channels into TikTok, and that, that typically works the least for us so okay cool yeah. thanks yeah that's awesome man steven love to hear from you man how are you i'm very very well how are you my man good so for those who don't know steven and i love your new backdrop man that's that's actually part of my library shelves it's not just a backdrop so uh, that looks looks good so uh, for those who don't know steven this guy is a machine that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a few other thoughts that than than what a lot of people are talking about. I'm not going to talk about TikTok, um, but let's talk about things that we can do to stabilize a little bit and bring down some of those costs, because the things that I do and the things that, you know, some of the people around me do aren't really talked about. A lot of the things in the ad leaks group and a lot of the marketing forums are all direct response and it's all focusing on ads and, and campaign structures and all of this kind of thing. And that's great. But I have two questions. How much effort are you placing on the pre-purchase phase of the buyer's journey? 
How aggressive are you in bringing people in and courting them to build your middle of the funnel audiences? Because since iOS 14, all the attribution has been screwed up except for on-platform attribution, like video views and page engagement and all of this kind of thing. And those make fantastic custom audiences. Fantastic custom audiences. So why don't we talk more about doing things to, to, to bring people in to, during the pre-purchase phase of the buyer's journey? I, me, me as an example, sometimes I'll have videos that'll run in the feed that are non-product related, but I know that they're answering questions that people in my spaces are looking for. And I'll retarget those, those, those video view engagers with more content, just as a way to warm them up. And they're like little one to five minute videos, just answering questions I know they have, just as a way to bring them in. Does that make sense? Because that's gonna cost me pennies to swell that middle of the funnel audience. And then I, I target my offers to those engaged audiences that are in the middle of the funnel. And it makes everything more stable. I can spend a little bit to get a huge audience up top. And as long as they engage, say within the last 28 days, well, now I can run offers to them consistently. Think about it more like running a magazine and less like trying to make better advertisements that go in the magazine of the spaces in which you're selling. That's the idea. So if we take out the internet, everybody that, we're, that, 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 that we talk to in, in our space, our direct response space, think about the idea of direct response. If it was pre-internet, you're literally trying to make a better clip out in the magazine. That's where targeted placement would be pre-internet. Who are the people making the magazines? Why aren't you positioning yourself as a content hub for the enthusiasts in that space to congregate? It doesn't cost much. And if you're already making TikTok videos and everything else, it's not necessarily product-based information. How hard is it to figure out five topic ideas as broad ideas in your space and then list 10 content ideas per topic? Can we not expand on one of those a week? You have a year of content. Make a few, make, make a few videos, get some experts, get some, get some nano influencers to make you some of that content talking about questions people are asking in the space. Go on Google, put some of your keywords into Keyword Planner, then go back down Google and look at your people also ask questions. Super easy to do. Why not do something like that and make the content? Because now you're giving people something to consume as opposed to trying to combat the cost of click. And then when they're warm to you, you run your offers to those people in that swollen middle of the funnel, and you're much more stable because the custom audiences from the, the on-platform engagement have better attribution for populating those audiences, and they're going to convert better, and you're dropping your CPMs that way because you're feeding Facebook more consistent data from the people uh, in your space. So there's a way Very to well stabilize said. all of that. Very well said, my man. So there you, yep. there you go. So I haven't answered questions about it, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different approach, but consider the pre-purchase phase of the buyer's journey. What are people doing to become aware of, of what their problems are and what other people are doing in the space regarding those problems and results they're seeking and figuring out what vehicles could deliver those results because that's what all our products really are. Can I answer those questions? That's the idea. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's my, my little take on it.
Any questions for Steven before we move into breakout rooms? Or oh, anybody else that has something to add? I mean, uh, we we can definitely run a little longer here. We had a, a big meet up today. So uh, if, if more people want to be uh, participating more, have something to say. I mean, if yep. we go too uh, long here and people is free to disconnect also if they don't have any more time for it. We I, tend to be set uh, about an hour for this, but I mean, if we go a little bit over, I think that's perfectly okay also. Yeah. And the reason for those that are maybe don't know why middle of funnel attribute attributes better is because it's on platform. It's not privy to opt in, opt out, like mm -hmm. when you're running ads from Shopify. So that's, that's why you can get that better attribution. Jason asked a fun question, a couple of questions for prospecting. Do I do uh, PPE ads or do I run purchase objectives um, on the content at the top of the funnel? Um, And then we have another question behind that. So at the top of the funnel, it depends on what type of content I'm running. Am I running, um, am I running a, uh, um, a photo post? Am I running something that's just a few sentences as a conversation starter, as a way to poke this, as a way to poke the audience and get them to talk to me? That's the big thing with content, especially in the pre-purchase phase, I want everybody to understand is that it's not just to warm up the audience to you. It's to get them to talk to you because the feedback you get are insights that you can use to make better ad angles, better copywriting, and better conversion optimization on your outside of ads manager assets. So by poking the space, get them to do your, your work for you. What do they value? What are the problems and roadblocks they have? What are the results they're seeking? What language are they using as enthusiasts of the space? Can you mirror that language on your offers, on your landing pages, on your product pages, in your post-purchase emails, all of that, to show that you're a member of the market and you're listening to the things they say because that personal touch is going to help a lot. That's the idea. So if I'm running, if I'm running things at the top of the funnel, if I have a post that's performing well, sure, I'll put, I'll put a page post engagement on it just to bring more people into the space. But most of the content I'm running is video. Most of the content I'm running is video. So it, it, there's, there's a huge mix of content I'll throw up at the top of the funnel. Think about it like this. If we go back to the example I, I mentioned, let's say I have one topic cluster idea, I have 10 topic ideas. Okay, can I make a photo idea out of that topic? Can I do a short form blog? Can I have an Instagram influencer come on and talk about it? Can I have an expert do an expanded live stream on that? Can I come up with a bunch of different ways to present the idea and then put it on a calendar and rotate that back through? So every time the topic comes up, they're seeing it a different way in the audience because the audience is always fluid. So you use your different objectives to keep people engaged at that top of funnel, depending on what type of post it is. So sometimes it's PPE, sometimes it's video view. But the point of it is, once I get people in my middle of the funnel, as they're consuming content, Right, and I take my best performing posts, and those are the ones I'll put money behind in a content um, style ad. And then people that that are seeing that are also seeing my purchase conversion offers strictly to the middle of the funnel audiences. So there you go. Um, and then, Kevin, did you have a question? I know you had your hand up. Um, yeah, am I echoey to you guys? Am I okay? To me, everybody's echoey, but <laughs> yeah, perfect. 
Um, you answered a lot of my questions the more you talked, so I appreciate it. But uh, I have a I have a pretty small brand. Insta is my main spot, mm-hmm. and um, I have a lot of influencers that are like micro or nano. They reach out and they wanna be ambassadors or they want to help and i never quite know what i can do to utilize them but i always feel like there's a missed opportunity like i oh, I, have I need you. help with my ads oh and I, I, have I just you. i have no idea what to do like say so i'm a streetwear brand 60 dollars mm-hmm. aov what are some ideas some like concrete things i could actually ask them to do okay so if you have a circle of micro influencers and whatnot that are, that are trying to get a hold of you and surround you, that's a good thing. What you, the, the best use for them is not necessarily using their influence on their smaller audience to, uh, uh, audiences to push the conversions because it will take those influencers with, with repeated exposure of your streetwear brand to their audiences for their audiences to jump on board and want to emulate that behavior. Instead, what you can do is you can coordinate with those circle of people, story shout outs, post shout outs, all of that kind of thing at a coordinated time for when you're posting and everything points back to you. Because what that's doing is it's using multiple people's audiences to game the engagement algorithm to send people back to you and boost that post. That's how you, that's, that's the best use for that. And you can say, is it going to be a story post? Is it going to be a temporary post? Is it going to be a permanent post? Is it going to be 24 hours? What's it going to be? Let's all circle the wagon here. What is the time that we're going to launch these, these bits of, of key content? I want you to post it to, I want you to post it to, I want you to post it to hell. If you make the content for them and say, this is what I want you to post shout out send people back to me because then you can have the link in your bio and now they're on your Instagram account. You can retarget them as middle of the funnel audiences from other people's lists and audiences. That's how you get everybody to come to you, right? Have everybody come to you with that coordination because that extra exposure close to, to when you post is going to boost your post to more people in your audience anyway. Now, and for your hashtags. Now, all those people have engaged. You can make custom audiences of people that have engaged with your Instagram uh, uh, account and retarget them from the middle of the funnel. Easy to do. Easy to do. Does that help? Yeah, it helps a lot, man. I hadn't, um, I have not been thinking about like time-based um, posts in that way. So that's super helpful. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And as far as like getting creative for ads is, other than getting photos that I can use, uh, like I, I was really interested in, I've never run video view ads before. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that was thinking about these people that are really excited. And I was thinking about, could I ask them to say something, run video view ads, or am I focusing on the wrong thing? Cause I'm one guy running the ads, making the product. I'm trying to keep it concise. Maybe I'm doing the right thing right. already. Right. Well, well, your, your, your head is in the right space in that you're going to get other people to make the videos for you because unless you're good with video, don't put yourself to that task because it's going to slow you down as a workflow. Does that make sense? All right. So when, when you set it up, do yourself a favor. You want to be specific and only have video going on types of content or angles or things that people are really seeming to bite on. So watch your engagement analytics with the various posts and whatnot and say, oh, people really like this or people really like that or people really like this. 
can I take that idea and get myself some video ideas and feed that out to my circle of influencers, have them make some stuff that's like this, because it's all the market has already shown me that they're looking for that. That's how I would go about that. Then I would say, I want you guys to both make it a video post and a story post. And I want you to send me the videos so that I can run those as ad creative. That's how I would go about that. So you're both getting the asset for use later and you're getting people, your influencers to use it on their audiences themselves. Sweet. Thanks, man. That's yeah. super helpful. You're welcome. And if you, if you need more, man, just, just find me on Facebook, reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Will do. I think there's an overdue Stephen Black one-on-one yeah. uh, -on -one coming AMA, up. Something. <laughs> All right. Justin knows where to find me. I'm happy to do it. Just go ahead and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. And, but, but my model is very, very different. Everybody else is running advertising and, and I am running multiple magazines and all of those assets point to only my offers is where the ads go. Yeah. It's, Camille, you it's have a looking question. forward to it. Different idea. So. Yeah. Hi guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Perfect. First of all, Stephen, thanks a lot for always like being so active in, in ad leaks. Like you're helping me and I think a lot of other people a lot to like become better marketers there. So it's really appreciated. Um, I kind of have a question regarding your top of funnel strategy, specifically when you run Facebook campaigns and let's say you run a, a video view campaign, um, you're optimizing for the video views just to populate your middle funnel audiences. Do you have any issues then in that the quality of the traffic in your middle of funnel audiences is of lower quality because they have been built up through a non-conversion? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I'm so glad you asked this. This is, this is such a common question. Now, over the years, we have all used with, with success purchase conversion ads to strangers at the top of the funnel. Because if you want, if you want purchasers, you got to ask for purchasers. That's the common thing. Yes, if you're trying to focus on people that have buying intent, what I'm suggesting is using the other objectives, which is what Facebook calls a full funnel approach, and catching people when they're not ready to buy yet. So if you're having somebody just watch a single video and then trying to shoot them an offer, no, it's not going to work. It's, it's like going on a first date. You go to dinner with somebody and all of a sudden it's time to get laid. It's not going to work every time. You're going to have problems with that. Instead, if I provide people content to consume, do I have multiple videos? Can I arrange it on a playlist? I do that all the time. If I bring somebody in from a video view, sometimes, sometimes the first couple of video views, if it's, if it's a one minute video or a three minute video or something like that, they're in the feed. I might not even have a link. I might not even have a link that it goes anywhere if I know it's just the first couple of things just to get their attention and let them know that I'm on the same page as them. Because when they see it, they're going to go, huh, what's that? And they see it again. Maybe they click through. Maybe, maybe they find out you know, what the account is. But guess what? Over the course of a, of, of, of a month or so, if they come in and they're in my middle of the funnel and they engage and they watch two or three or four videos, I've walked them through the pre-purchase phase of the buyer's journey. So when they get to the buyer's uh, segment of the buyer's journey and they've become aware of their problem and they know that I understand things from their point of view and they've considered other options and they've made the mistake of getting involved with me and my content, 
because now they've put their sticky fingers in my, my cookie jar. It's terrible because I'm going to do everything I can to be helpful to them and more heavily weight their bias to wanting to do business with me. What you have to understand is that every time someone can view a piece of your content, whether it's um, a, a regular native post or it's an advertisement or what have you, us outside of the offer itself, they're gauging what it is like to do business with you, even if they're not in buyer's mode right now. So the whole nurturing thing that we all talk about, it, 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 another example would be how come people that are brand new to your email list aren't immediately buying after the first email? We all understand in an email list, we have to warm them up a little bit. It's the same thing. You're just, you're just doing it with a different medium. Does that make more sense? Yeah, definitely. It's just, you want to get them into your ecosystem and nurture them instead of just thinking about, I want to get the direct return after the, Right. Well, and, and, and the, thi the thing is, the reason that direct response works so well, and we've all kind of gotten addicted to it over the years of advertising, is because it's a relatively fast speed to conversion. Can I take a stranger and can I turn them into a buyer in a short time window? Okay. What I'm saying is, that's a small percentage of the market that is both in the buyer's phase of the buyer's journey and looking for something that we offer like or like it and happens to see our advertisement. That's a small segment of any market at any given time. If we also take the conversion ceiling into effect where there's just gonna be a certain number of people no matter what we do and never gonna buy from it, well, then the bigger chunk of people are in the pre-purchase phase. That's the idea. That's what we wanna talk about, okay? So by having more people in there, it literally costs you pennies to keep them re-engaged as they're taking their own time through there. So now it becomes a numbers game. How fat can I make my funnel? That's actually what I call it because it's middle heavy. It's a fat funnel. Okay, I wanna bring people in and keep them going and give them a reason to continually re-engage. All the while they're seeing offers. It doesn't take that long to, to move people from being cold to you to being buyers because you're driving purchase demand. It's the same thing when you start dating someone and get in a relationship. You don't do all the hot and heavy stuff out of the gate, right? You have to, you have to go through a process yeah. there. It's the same thing. Well, not some of us, right? <laughs> right? Not all of us, no. But seriously, if, 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 you're, if you're dating someone, there's a process there that, that you go from one spot to the next. They're not sold on you to commit to you from the gate. We're not all as handsome as Justin, right? <laughs> but that's the idea they're going to consume the content somewhere they have come they have come to be buyers from somewhere what did they do that drove their purchase demand to capitalize on an offer that you that you have on a product like yours they're going to get it somewhere why aren't they also getting that from you mm -hmm. yep. like it takes it takes more effort but the payoff is more is more stability and I get better attribution because I'm only targeting my middle of the funnel on platform engagement audiences. And there's a ton of audiences I can do. It's not just people that viewed my video. Okay, let's think about it. If we go TikTok style videos under one minute. Okay, let me retarget everybody that viewed 95% uh, of that. Cool, one to three minutes. Let me retarget everybody that viewed, uh, um, uh, viewed at least 75%. What if up to 10 minutes? 10 minutes in the feed is a video view. That means 75%, they have to view what, seven minutes, seven and a half minutes 
mm-hmm. of a video. Guys, if you have a 10 minute video in the feed from an expert in the space and they view 75%, they're a warmer lead. They're interested in what you're saying. The attention span that people have, especially for things like TikToks and Instagram reels and Facebook reels and all this other video stuff that everybody's rolling out, if they watch a longer video at a higher percentage, you're going to have a qualified lead. It's so much easier. So think about something. If I have 10 to 20 20 minute videos that I post sometimes in my feed and run as a video view campaign top of the funnel to cold strangers, guess what? I might have 75% video views that are costing me, I don't know, $1.25. But if they watch 75% of a 20 minute video, they're a qualified lead for much, much lower cost. And they're warm to me. They want to know what I have going on. Can I not make that a separate custom audience to nurture in a different way? Aren't they accelerated in terms of their speed to conversion? So it's not just videos. It's what types of videos am I making? How can I use those to my advantage? It's it's a different way to play the game based on what we've had to deal with with iOS and with, with rising costs and unstable CPAs. And if you have all of that on-platform engagement, and you always have different pools of people that are already engaged to you to retarget. Yep. It's a lot more stability, whole that lot an- more stability. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really like the way you're thinking and I think it's, it's amazing. It's different. Yeah. It's, different it's different and it takes more yeah. work. It's a yeah. lot of content, but it's worth it. Because honestly, with the content thing, once you make the content, like what I do is, is I come up with all the ideas and then I, I treat it like meal prep. I batch it all in different content types and I have, I have my assistant upload it in um, Facebook creator studio to the page based on what the calendar is calling, what subject, what content type, boom, boom, boom. I have it all in folders. Like you'll upload this up. We upload like two months of content at a time on a Sunday. And all of a sudden, all I'm doing is responding to comments. But what does that do? Now I can look in my page insights on what are my best performing posts for the week. And I can, I can take those and make either engagement ads or video view ads out of them, out of the regular posts, just to get a little more leg out of them because they've already, they've already worked well. And based on the feedback that I'm getting out of that, I can notice patterns and say, ah, this is what people really want to talk about. If this is a best hits piece of content, can I put it in my, my, my email sequences? Can I expand on, on, on this because it's happened more than once? Can I use this as a lead magnet because people want it? Can I dig deeper here? So all I'm doing really with content is poking the audience, letting them know I'm a member of the market and I view things like they do and getting them to talk to me. Guys, your Facebook pages, if you use content, is a focus group that you have as a captive audience. (laughs) They'll tell you everything they want you to say to them in terms of conversion. And that's going to make your ads way more effective. Steven, what what are you using for tools for content? My next, the next thing I want to get into a little bit is just software and tools in general, okay. especially during these hard times, yep. but specifically to start, we'll start with content tools and then we'll get into ad buying tools. Okay. What are you using from a content perspective for tools? In what regard? As far as a production? Any regard or tools that okay. helps. Cause I know you, I know you put out, if I'm not mistaken, an F ton of content. I think yep. an astronomical amount. Yeah, How much do you put out? And, uh, <laughs> I know it's it's ridiculous, but it's, I can't remember it's, the number. It's a stupid amount. It's it's over it's over twenty thousand pieces a year. Yeah. So it's, how do you manage that? What does your streamlined okay. process look like for that? Uh, okay. 
Um, it, it depends. So for me, I have, I have a few different brands that, that, that I have. And so the platforms that I'm using mm -hmm. also depend on the audience size and audience maturity. So it's, it's, it's a tiered thing. I don't just do all of it all at once. I always start with a Facebook page always. And it's a topic based Facebook page instead of a branded Facebook page, because people, if they see a brand, okay, that's cool, but it doesn't pass the blink test. Correct. If it's a Facebook page, that's a topic page, the enthusiasts come there and they automatically expect that they're going to be able to do question and answer around the topic. Think about ad leaks as a group, as an example, right? We all know it's going to be about advertising. Okay, cool. Right. And the whole leaks thing indicates that it might be some secret something and ooh, I want to be a part of that. It passes a blink test without us having to think as an example. So Facebook page, Facebook creator studio. Um, I use, um, I have uh, um, templates that are set up as either Photoshop files or as Canva with designers and I ha have them handle that. Um, I use Airtable to organize my ideas. Airtable is fantastic for organizing my ideas because what I can do is I can take an idea that I have and I can say, okay, let me duplicate it below the grouping on the same Airtable and say, okay, if I'm going to talk about pre-purchase content for the AdLeaks group, okay, is it going to be a short form blog? Is it going to be a top five things you can do? Is it going to be a short form video? Is it going to be a long form video? Can I make that a yep. series of pins? Is it going to be Instagram posts? What's it going to be? And I can yep. take it and I can visually hammer it out as to how deep I want to go with it. Cool. So okay. Airtable is a great one. Um, I like. Um, what are you like using said, for like posting comments? Are you still using Agora Pulse or what do you use? Um, post posting comments. Um, yeah, I, uh, if you want, there's, there's two different ones we can talk about. Agora Pulse, I think is still an AdLeaks partner. So big push to them. Um, they're fantastic. If you want to answer, um, comments on your face from your Facebook page in one spot, like all the stuff comes to you and yep. Agora Pulse also lets you comment on ads. So if you're trying to respond to a comment that's on an advertisement, it comes to your social inbox on Agora Pulse. You can do that. Um, with 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 me because a lot of the advertisements that i have um are already on the page from a middle of the funnel audiences mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't have to have a separate something it comes in as a native post reply almost if, if, if that makes sense so i use a tool called eclincher just because i've used it for forever uh, and it allows me to see 10 social profiles actually it's more than that now but the base the base plan is 10 social profiles all at once it can be youtube it can be pinterest it can be twitter it can be a facebook page it can be facebook groups that you admin all of that youtube channel and they have a social inbox they have all the analytics stuff and and where you can you know do all kind of fun stuff to schedule posts and everything but they have a social inbox so anything that comes in from any of the profiles that you have linked up comes to one place yeah yep. and okay. so my, my team can just go there and say, okay, this is what's going on. It's kind of like using uh, Gorgeous. I don't know if some, some of us are on that, some of us are not. Uh, I think Philip is the guy that runs Gorgeous, AdLeaks partner, the messaging service. Yep, yep. Right? So, so Gorgeous is fantastic if you want all of your customer service assets to come to one inbox. Socially, this is the same thing. 
most of the social tools have it like so, uh, Sprout Social, Agora Post, Hootsuite, eClincher, and 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 there you go. Um, okay. Um, Thank but but Thank that's you. that's one of the things. Another thing that I use that's really really fun is a, a tool called Designer. D e s i g n r r. dot i o. I haven't heard of that one. What is that one? Oh again? my gosh, it's so good. So what Designer allows you to do is make flipbooks and ebooks as lead magnets. So if I write if I write a um, if I write a blog that's performing really really well. I can put the URL into designer and it will hammer it out into an ebook template for me that I can tweak and go from there. So it's super easy to create really, really nice lead magnets off of high performing cool. content that way using that tool. Okay. Well, thank you for your, all your input. You are a book of knowledge, like the books behind you. So I appreciate it, my man. Happy to help, my man. I would love to hear, I would love to hear on ad buying tools. I want to shift over to ad buying tools right now, especially with the, um, what's been going on in the short term, uh, especially post iOS, what tools are you guys using to help kind of combat performance issues, things of that nature? How have you shifted that strategy? We use RevealBot. I don't know if anybody uses RevealBot. They are an AdLeaks partner. Uh, we use them uh, for pretty much every ad account that we do run. Uh, and then we always have backup rules running in Facebook as well. Um, is anybody using anything specific that they'd like to call out that would be helpful? Um, I'm, I'm surprised by y'all still using RevealBot, I find with the issue with attribution now. You'd have mm. to really um, come up with some clever rules in order to, because you couldn't set anything around CPA, for instance. Mm -hmm. At least if you don't have a super stable um, account performance, I would think that would be an issue. So we've, um, I'm using Hyros a lot in some of my client accounts, but okay. honestly, just total honest, like, I don't know if it's, if it's worth it. I have some accounts where I'm just using um, classic Google Analytics, GTM, um, just uh, normal parameter setup. And honestly, I think that that, I don't know. I'm, I'd love to hear from other people um, mm -hmm. what they're using, but using well, there's a lot more right now is, a lot, is difficult. Yeah, there's a lot more rules with Reveal. Obviously, there's a lot more rules that you can run with RevealBot than you can run with native rules, which is why we use it. Um, and we've just seen better luck than in terms of being reliable. And in terms of your comment, and I'd love for everyone else to talk about this, but I know with the lack of attribution, we've had to loosen our rules a little bit um definitely for sure uh you can't run them as tight as you used to um, but we still have safeguards in place for things that get out of control and spend but uh, in terms of high roast we don't use high roast we use wicked reports um i know there was a case study done by alex Steele. if you want to check it out on high roast uh, that should be in i think it's in both groups in terms of attribution and how that compared to facebook but is anybody else using RevealBot or any other rule tools in here that has any comments? Um, I'm actually using RevealBot and uh, we also had like the same problems for like uh, purchase conversion campaigns. So once mm -hmm. we had uh, a loss of attribution, what we did was uh, we tried it 
um, we try to optimize the ad sets and ads on um, like on platform metrics, like link clicks, CTRs at the early part Got of the day. Yeah. And then after you overlay it with like uh, add to cart events, and then later part of the day, you optimize for purchases. So um, you optimize it very early on with uh, higher funnel metrics. And then okay. you, uh, that's how we do it. And then those with already have purchases coming at the early start of the day, you immediately bump it up um, with a surfing rule. So yeah. Okay. And you start it at a very uh, low cost, um, lowest cost bid strategy. So yeah. Yeah, we and also use it. To, yeah, we're also using it to run like our uh, other rules for like all the other bid methods, like um, bully. We have some stuff in there for bully. There's some stuff for sneak attack, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So a lot of that is in the vault. If you guys have questions, you can definitely, um, definitely check out those uh, rule yeah. sets. Um, I think one other thing was that we like dupe a lot of um, ad sets, so it's mm -hmm. like a horizontal. Um, we used to run like high high budget and with big caps, but like uh, ever since uh, iOS came in, uh, most of our ad sets stopped spending. So we lost a lot of volume on that and we couldn't get, uh, basically uh, the ad sets were spending like, we had to be as high like from 60 to 100 plus. So our CPs obviously went up. Yep, um, yep. So to combat that, we started with uh, lowest cost ad sets, but to compensate like, Maybe one ad set brings me one purchase, but if we have like 70 ad sets running the campaign and you have right. two campaigns of those and then you optimize it, um, you can get, we have seen it could get the same amount of volume as we were running a big cap on high Got budgets. Okay. Yeah. But we actually cool. do run um, both so that we cover like both aspects because like daily fluctuations, sometimes you see one campaign um, yep. is performing better than the other. So we just run both. Got it. All right, we're gonna do a breakout room. So covered a lot of good stuff uh, we want to let people get to know it let people get to know each other a little, little bit more so we're going to do a five minute breakout room and then we'll come back um none of this will stream if you're in my group it will stream if you're not you won't stream so if you're a little bit uh, shy and you don't want to be on camera you are safe to do so in your breakout rooms um so we're going to go ahead and do that at all. You'll see kind of a prompt and then we'll, after five minutes, it'll force you guys to come back and then we'll kind of wrap up. We're going to go till about 1230 uh, my time. So about 25 more minutes. Okay. Clearly and making sure that everyone gets it. So yeah, I fully understand that. And I appreciate the, uh, the confirmation feedback. Yep. Okay. The other thing too, is what I really like is we put a lot of our clients in just our boards in ClickUp or in Monday only get access to that so that's where we can do communication built in with slack as well which seems to be really helpful because then we can upload the creatives in there they can approve they can comment for changes or anything like that as well um, awesome that's a good, good question thank you yep there's a uh, question about uh, attribution yep i see uh, that what's working best for the ind independent attribution platforms wicked triple well etc um we use tri triple well i love triple well but i only love it for their um non-attribution side triple pixel is in my opinion very very early it's still in beta um in my opinion the lack of detail and things that i can see when compared to like wicked is nowhere near the level of detail um, i found it very very hard and the, the interface for me was not as intuitive um and i've just been using wicked for years so i mean i do have a very very good relationship with them obviously they're a partner but they also are a partner for a reason. 
you guys as members, if you're looking at anything, you do get, I think it's a, Christy, can you correct me if I'm wrong? Is it, we just changed the deal. Is it a thousand off? A thousand a month. Yep. Yep. Off for like the first three for months the or first something. Sign up. Yep. For the first. Yep. And then there was a good post yesterday as well. There's a, another platform that um, I personally have not used um, called AnyTrack. You can check that out as well. Um, and then I also am testing just for people in here and I'll keep you guys updated, but I am testing another one. Uh, it's called North Beam. Feel free to check that out. I'm looking into that one a little bit. I've never used it, but I like to just kind of test everything and just kind of, you know, uh, see what is all out there just for the group as well to be able to answer questions. And then I'm working on something really, really cool, which um, actually will help Facebook Pixel. It's a, uh, it's um basically, it's like an Elevar, but it's an Elevar on steroids. And they're found by some pretty high level data guys that, uh, came from like Stanford and basically what it does is it's uh, pushes more data and stitches together user journey based on page visits and it can push it back into Facebook for actually better optimization we're just getting ready to roll out a test with their pixel with all of their their souped up parameters that they can pass which I've never seen anybody pass so now every URL like in our website for example uh, we had to add some DNS records and then we actually get some query strings on every URL. And then what it does is it allows us to stitch it together and then get it back into Facebook. Um, we're testing that. Uh, I'm getting reports of 20% lift on ROAS from a lot of a uh, couple people that I know have used it. So I'll keep you guys posted. And then um, if anybody's interested, which I'm sure everybody will be, I can probably get you guys set up on a beta test, but we're running uh, their pixel versus our pixel side by side. And then we're going to do a, a direct comparison. Uh, so it should be, actually, that's what it is. I think uh, I'll get you the name of it um, for sure. I will get you guys the name of it. A couple more, a couple more questions, anything. Uh, we do have, just so everybody knows, are you talking about the ads lab? The one that's in our banner as a partner. Yeah. Uh, yep. We're actually getting ready to roll that out as a test as well. Um, I've used it in the past, but we're rolling out a test with the second client. Definitely check it out. That is a wicked, wicked cool platform. Um, really, really cool. I don't think Adam is in here, but definitely connect with Adam. You can do some pretty sweet stuff. They're tying in to get trillions of data points on things. I mean, you can do... Um, they get based on people's credits. If they hit your site, they, and they have a pretty good match, but they can get you like your credit score. They can get all of your, it's amazing what they can get. Like you don't even realize what's out there and what they're able to pull. But yeah, Chris, I would definitely check it out. It's pretty sweet, uh, which is kind of, that's why we brought them on as a partner. The other platform I was talking about, the Pixel stuff, um, I'll get you guys the name. If you're interested, send me a DM and I'll see if they have any open beta slots because um, it's just kind of, they're proof of concept right now, but it's looking very, very, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Very, very good. So I have time for one more question and then we're going to call it. Um, any track the same as, I can't talk in terms of any track. I haven't used it. Um, so I couldn't answer that question specifically. I've not used that one.
what key people do you guys need for starting a creative team? I'll let Luke take that one. Uh, and then we'll have that as our last question. Uh, Luke, you want to come off unmute? What key people do you need to start a creative team? Uh, I would say that you would need um, someone to come up with like the idea of what you want because everything's super customized. But um, for me, if I were to start a creative team for, I mean, what kind of what kind of brand, what industry? I think that might depend on. Um, Are you doing it? Jamie equipment. So <clears throat> I would say a team to put stuff together. If you can set things up to where you don't, all you have to do is, you know, the simple tasks. Um, you already have a studio, you know, obviously it would be a gym. I would say it depends on if you can, if you're creative or not. Um, you can do a lot of the stuff yourself. If, if you're not creative at all, um, then I would say you would need a, someone who's fairly skilled at videography and photography. Um, if you can get someone who's, you, you know, a utility person, kind of like me, I do video, photo, and graphic design. Um, but I would say get set, set something up like a studio or the gym, um, have set things every month or every two weeks where you shoot, um, make sure everything is planned out so you don't waste your time. Um, and then I would say have, I don't know if you want to do, um, like a VA person to edit your videos or content. Um, I use Canva a lot, which is really good, but, um, if you can get someone to edit all your stuff um then you need someone someone to do that and then it depends on if you want to implement um ads or ad buying or media buying or anything like that so that would be a completely yep. different task what i would say is if you don't have the budget um then you're going to have to have you know one or two people or three people set up um and kind of do a lot of things and wear different hats but um like like i wouldn't if I were rebuilding my house, I wouldn't have the electrical do, electric worker do the plumbing. Um, because if, if you really want to, you know, get down to it, um, I would make sure that everyone has their own roles. It's easier for you. It's easier for your team. Um, if everyone has their own roles and they know exactly what they're doing. Um, I can't harp enough on how important it is to, to organize, um, to get everything prepped and organized so that everyone knows exactly what they're doing, write some SOPs, um, and get all that stuff down so that people aren't, you know, doing things that they don't either, either want to or overworked. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, there's, there's a, a million different answers for that question, um, depending on like your budget and stuff like that, but yeah. that's kind of my two cents. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. I'm going to end this here. Uh, Chris Chico, if you want to send me a, um, uh, that question, send me a DM and I'll, I'll get you hooked up on where to go for that. Um, want to thank you everybody for your time we are going to do one next week it's going to be the same format but it's going to be for the other side of the world for the other time zone you are welcome to join that if you want um that'll be a little bit more user friendly uh send me any if you have any feedback you want to send us any other team feel free to send it to us just dm us uh open the suggestions because we want to keep keep this moving forward and keep this momentum for everyone so thank you guys appreciate it this was awesome take care everybody